speaking today with Representative Perry Will for Colorado House District 57. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to talk. What are your top legislative priorities moving forward? Well, I think number one is affordable health care, and that's in the pandemic's brought that on, of course, and really shown the need for that. And I've worked uh, on several bills since I've been over there on improving, you know, health care, improving uh, accessibility to it. Easy enrollment, I run a bill last year on easy enrollment. And that was a good bill. And then uh, I also had a bill on colorectal cancer screenings uh, for making that a younger age and having insurance coverage to a younger age for the screenings and st- that kind of stuff. So I've been I've been really involved with that. And then the other thing is the economics for rural Colorado. That's a huge priority of mine. Obviously, water, wildlife, our natural resources, and our public lands over here is all near and dear to me. So those are all priorities in the legislative session. But so much of what we do over there is a priority. And a lot of the things that affect all Colorado, not just West Slope or not just uh, House District 57. But I'm tuned into all those. And, and also, you know, I want to... You know, I'm all about, uh, you know, personal responsibility and obviously support free enterprise and fiscally responsible. That's that's a huge thing I'm looking at. I mean, last year we're down like $3.3 billion in the state budget, and uh, the projections obviously don't look good for next year, what the pandemic's done to business and sales tax and, and tax revenues. I mean, we're going to really be looking at a tough, tough time next year, and this year we're got to cut back to balance the budget and a lot of those were grants and stuff that were cut next next year i think it's going to be more into the program so so everyone's really taking a big hit economically with what's been going on lately so all those type of things are you know to get this economy going and get a you know businesses flourishing is a huge priority of mine do you have any thoughts on the state's response, the state government, uh, Governor Jared Polis' response to COVID-19. Yeah, I think there's been too many blanket executive orders, you know, that just blanket the state with some of these executive orders concerning the pandemic. I mean, you take Rio Blanco County, you know, they're under the same restrictions as, you know, Denver County. Well, we need local control. And that means, you know, our local health departments, our local elected officials need control over that because, there's really no reason to shut down the entire economy for a county that has zero cases of COVID. I understand, you know, getting getting a handle on it and all that, but Rio Blanco County was shut down and there was, you know, they didn't even have a case and they finally did get, I think they were finally up to six, but and even here in Garfield and, and, uh, and Moffat County, uh, Garfield, of course, uh, had a lot, lot bigger uh, numbers than Moffat and Rio Blanco that, that I represent, but I think we need to get down to more local control on that rather than just issuing blanket executive orders across the state because one size doesn't fit all. And I think uh, me personally over here, what I've seen shutting down the economy in some of these areas when there's not even a COVID case uh, just doesn't make sense. So I, I push for more local control than the governor issuing blanket executive orders. So if a town, for example, wanted to do a mask mandate, would you support them in doing that, or do you think that yes, that's, that's a local control? And if the statistics and and your incident rate shows that you need to do that, 
and it's it's truly uh, going to control the virus, then absolutely. And that's, I'm talking about local control. But if you have a high incidence of COVID cases and you do that, that's fine for if it's pick a city, it's fine. But, you know, if you're on the eastern plains of Colorado and some of those counties that have no cases or had no cases, it doesn't make sense. So, so yes, I'm saying go to go to local control. Let the local elected officials make those determinations. So Colorado's Department of Labor and Employment Statistics uh, show over half a million unemployment claims since March. How do you think we should address that situation moving forward, specifically in House District 57? Uh, get the economy going again. That's a real simple answer. Get the economy moving again. That that and that would create the jobs. You know, so many people. I you know, and through the CARES Act money, that's been great, and I know that's really helped some, really helped some people out with unemployment. But uh, you know, that can't go on forever. And, and you know, uh, how do we pay for that? Those trillions of dollars. Those are that's tough to pay back. And the, and the states in the same boat. So the CARES Act money was great. And for help people out on unemployment, but the big thing is is get our economy going again. That's how you cure unemployment. Get the just get the economy back going again. I think moving the economy forward. That's what we got to get going. We've got to get the country and this state running again and hitting on all cylinders. And then those other issues tend to go away. And and I think everyone's been doing that in a in a in a cautious manner. It's just like uh, the mask and those type of things. If that's a requirement to keep the restaurant open or whatever, I'm fine with that. I want to keep them moving. I don't want, I want them open, the doors open, people there eating and doing those type of things. It's the same thing with our tourism industry. Let's get it going. Let's get the economy going. We can't, we can't stay shut down and we can't stay hiding in our houses. So I guess for the, the half a million jobs or more that have potentially already been lost or just people have lost wages or whatever, how do we sort of get those back is kind of what I'm curious about. How do we maybe do some economic development or? Uh, well, obviously in these rural areas, I mean, yeah, we got to get those jobs. We got to be new, new job creation and, you know, look at the, the fossil fuel industry and, and, and then look at coal and, and all that. I mean, we we're losing jobs in the house district 57 one after another. So, yeah, we need economic development. We need rural economic development. There's all kinds of other issues for creating jobs and jobs we've lost. And some of that's retraining. Some of it, some of it's in renewables. Some of it's, you know, there's a, there's a multitude of that, but our recreational and tourism industry, it's, it's all there. We got to, we got to get it going again. And, uh, you know, coal and natural gas and some of that with the fossil fuels, there's, we're, we're working on all kinds of little uh, economic development things in these rural counties. And, and also, I think that one of the positives out of the pandemic is, is people have shown they can, they can work from home, you know. So remote working, I think, that's, I think that could be a real boom to our economy, especially in rural Colorado. I mean, people would like to live here and recreate here. And the amenities we have, it's a beautiful state. And I think we could attract people that want to live and raise a family in Craig, Colorado, thing, and they can do it working remotely. So there's all kinds of things we can explore. And also with all the issues and things that have been going on in our in our urban areas, in the big cities, I think you're going to see a lot of people wanting to move away from those environments and get out and enjoy what we have here. 
and if they can re- work remotely, maybe raise their family and their children in a in a much better environment, I think we'll start seeing that. Since you mentioned remote working and the potential for that and the viability of that, do you have broadband development as a priority, or do you see that as yes. important? You know, that's kind of a statewide priority anyway. And, uh, you know, broadband going right down right down I-70 right now, but there's a lot of work being done with the broadband, that expansion of that. So you have the same equality if you're in Denver or in Rifle or in Newcastle or whatever. I've always always supported any, any expansion of the broadband. And, you know, in the, I know just south of us down there towards the Montrose community, some, some of that stuff with the nuclear and the power plant and the, some of those jobs, those jobs went into broadband. So obviously we look at that closely for, for Craig and and some of the other areas. So, yeah, definitely broadband is a huge thing, especially for remote working. So obviously in, I mean, Rio Blanco County has a lot of jobs related to the coal mine, and then there's also quite a bit of oil and gas stuff going on in both western Garfield County and Rio Blanco County. So, you know, with some of those jobs going away or production declining, do you see that sort of transitionary approach you mentioned for example that some of the jobs had moved into broadband down towards montrose do you see that as a viable option do you want to try to expand oil and gas production more again or what are some of your theories around well so my theories on that is is uh, i've obviously had the opportunity i served on the energy interim committee last year and so I got to see how the grids are run, you know, especially the electric grid. And right now, coal and gas keep the lights on. So I'm all about the diversification of our energy sources. But renewables, as it is now, won't run the grid. And I saw that firsthand. I was in the brainstem with XL, uh, the Pawnee Station, and, and seeing what, you know, how many megawatts coal was doing, how many megawatts gas was doing, how many megawatts solar was doing as well as as wind and uh they're developing things with storage and batteries and more development of of wind and solar and like i say i'm not i'm not anti-renewable at all but the reality of it is currently what we have will not run the grid so we still need coal and natural gas so the diversification of all of our energy sources is what we need and what i strive for so it's not an exclusion of of one or the other no that makes sense. Um, I guess I was more curious about the, the job specifically. So my question is, to be more clear, if a county like Rio Blanco County or Garfield County loses jobs in natural resource development, for example, do you want to try to get those jobs back specifically, or do you think sure. it's better to try and transition them, or is it a combination? Well, it's, it's a combination of both. I'd love to get those jobs back, but also we've got to transition you know, I mean, you'd have to have your head buried in the sand if you don't think we're transitioning. But, you know, we can't do it all at once like uh, some would like. It's just not feasible. And that's why I say a diversification of that. And then, yeah, you can transfer to that and over time make a transition. But we can't just cut off communities and shut down jobs and all that because, you know, because of the carbon footprint or whatever. And so we have to, you know, have to approach it realistically. And yes, I, yes, I want those jobs back. And I think there's a potential to get them back, you know. It, again, it's, 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 let's do it smart and let's do it strategically. 
you know, it's just like the methane with oil and gas. I mean, sure, we want to we want to do it clean. We don't we don't want to do it where you know it impacts local residents and that kind of stuff. So let's do it a smart and responsible way. Kind of on that vein, quite a bit of the revenue for Rio Blanco County is related to property severance tax assessments tax. Yeah. and severance yeah. taxes. Yeah. Um, and they're facing a huge budget shortfall right now and talking about some pretty substantial and, you know, frankly, painful cuts for the community. So how do yeah. we work to preserve those revenues? Is it kind of some of the stuff we've been talking about earlier? Or it's, exactly, you know it's exactly what we've been talking about. But, you know, those taxes, I mean, you take a county like, you know, Rio Blanco, about 80% of that county's revenues from from energy. Moffat County is around 60, I think 63%, and obviously a huge deal for Garfield. So you can't just, you know, we're talking schools, we're talking everything. We're talking about other people's taxes with mill levies, with uh, particularly with our schools. And, you know, this year there was that uniform mill levy thing with the legislature, and that was going to, you know, when you're in rifle paying, what, four, I don't know, four point something mills, you know, in the, in the school, and then and the uniform would be up to 27 mills, well, that's a, that's a huge gap for people. So the the industry is is what we've currently and previously had really really keeps these counties running, and we just can't shut that off. Can we transition on some things? Absolutely, but you know we can't just have boom and bust economies. I think I'd like to talk about water next, just because I yeah. I see a relation to the oil and gas stuff. But you know we know that. We're looking at less water uh, in the Colorado River, potentially less snowpack. And so, you know, there's real potential, especially with continued droughts, for a call on the Colorado River. What kind of strategies could we employ to potentially prevent that or mitigate that issue? Well, demand management, you know, that's been talked about a lot. I think that's that's definitely a way... uh, you know, a wiser, smarter use of, of our water is critical. Obviously, you know, the Shoshone and, and the Cameo, that, that's huge in the Colorado River, those two calls. So, and, you know, I know they're working up in the, in the northern side of, of uh, my district and then, of course, Route County and through there on, on measuring devices on ag water and all that. So getting a lot of that things those done. But I think demand management is going to be critical. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's not like we can produce more water. So we're going to have to... Obviously, I don't approve of any more diversions or any more buy and drive land, but I think there's some there's some real opportunities to maybe manage our water better, and we're going to have to. It's not it's not maybe going to be a want where it's going to be demanded. We're going to have to do it. So it's actually fairly spooky. I think uh, further development, especially on the on the east slope, is uh, is going to have to be really really thought out because. The water, we just we're getting too much demands for the amount of water we have, and then then you throw in the recreational component of that. It's a good thing we have Shoshone and the Cameo and stuff keep water in the river. So you know, there's also a lot of the cities you know have done the the RISDs and those uh, recreational in-stream diversion uh, applications. You know, for some of them been for water parks and different things like that. But not only ag, but our our tourism and recreational industry hugely tied to our rivers and you know if you talk about just uh just here locally like in the in the glenwood and carbondale and those type areas i mean the 
just the, the economy of the fishing guides and all that. I mean, we have to maintain those kind of flows, and we have to maintain a, a good resource and a fisheries resource, and that all takes good, clean water. But it goes hand-in-hand hand with, with ag and recreation and the tourism and everything else, along with open space and, and especially green open space. So it's it's all tied together, and I think I think we can we can work through it. It's going to be challenging, but we can work through it. And I think demand management is going to be part of the solution. And then if it's uh, there's also all types of, of, of storage ideas and stuff being uh, thrown around as well. Uh, yeah, more more storage and more wise use of the water we we do have because oh, wow. the compact. I mean, that's that's going to get like, the compact is. What's going to be driving this? And it's uh, it's fairly spooky. I mean, you you look at Lake Powell, Mead, and all that. It, those have been our big bathtubs for that, but it's no longer. So we have some real huge challenges in front of us. You know, last year I ran that House Bill 1157. That was uh, the loan water program for in-stream flows, and I I really got behind it. I think that's great for in-stream flows, and that's just one of the strategies for doing that and keeping water in the river and. So there's there's a lot there's a lot of things we can do with water and it's it's critical it's probably the number one thing actually is is water and water management especially in the arid west here and there's what 40 million people that downstream of us that count on Colorado River water so yeah it's huge. The U.S. Geological Survey estimates that fracking well uses anywhere between two and. 15, 16 million gallons per well. And oftentimes the water that comes back is highly contaminated. Now I know in Garfield County there have been a lot of efforts to reuse as much of that water as possible. So do you see a conflict there in the water management or what are your thoughts on that? No, it's not. No, I don't. I I mean, because much of it's reused. So no. um, I mean, obviously there's, yeah, there's, there's a demand for water just like Everything, everything else we do, there's a demand for water. But I mean, uh, fracking is not going to dry up the Colorado River, no. And it's not going to be the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back when it comes to fracking water, no. Sure. But that's that's another water use. I mean, obviously that's a water use, and yeah. and it, it's no different than the, you know the the project they're just going in south of Silt for the uh, hydroponic lettuce growing, you know. They're going to use about 25% of the water that was used in conventional agriculture there on, on that same spot. So there's, you know, there's a good water savings, and, and that, that water is reused. It doesn't, it's just reused and reused. It's re, they put new ne- nutrients in it and run through, and, and uh, there's, there's a lot of different things we can, we can do. There's, that's a huge water savings, and I, you know, I, I applaud them for that effort. And it's not in that big of a footprint, so... I should look into how much of the, I guess, the flowback water for fracking gets reused, because I know there's a ton of infrastructure surrounding specifically that. Yes. But, yeah, I'm not sure exactly how much, because I know eventually they ha- they do have to dispose of it. I'm not oh, sure. yes. Yeah. I'm not sure and, what and stage a, that is. Yeah, a lot of times that's downhole, you know. Yeah, back, injection but, wells. Yeah, injection. So, um, But, yeah, that's. I mean, that's not... The amount for that, of course, there's so little going on in the, this you know, the state now with oil and gas development that it's really not it's not doesn't even not a blip on the radar really from a water usage standpoint. So. The only thing that I have specifically left to just dive into is healthcare. 
Um, you mentioned this already, but I just wanted to give you the opportunity to talk more about some of the specifics around controlling costs for healthcare, especially here on the Western Slope, and then also dealing with the fact that a lot of people are either uninsured or some would say underinsured. Um, right. What kind of solutions do you have for that kind of stuff? And then not just the insurance thing, but some of the other things you were mentioning as well. Well, let me start off with on that when it comes to healthcare. So number one, we have to keep our healthcare facilities up and running and going, okay? And that means our hospitals, our clinics, and everything else associated with healthcare. Because you can have the best healthcare coverage in the world if you don't have any facilities to get treated at, it doesn't do you much good. So first and foremost, we got to make sure that our healthcare facilities, especially in these critical access hospitals and those type of things around these communities, I mean, it, we, we've got to keep them going, and they, they've got to be solvent and in the black. So that, that's number one, because they struggle as well, and then obviously with COVID, they've really struggled. But that's first and foremost. And then the healthcare coverage, I worked on the easy enrollment bill. I worked on, I think I, I mentioned the colorectal cancer thing, and I've done a lot with the, with the, uh, with the healthcare stuff, and I'm actually on the health and insurance committee at the house. So we've done lots of things with insulin, those type of deals, prescription drugs. I mean, I think there's a lot of things we're getting done with prescription drug prices, which has been very helpful. That helps, uh, obviously, the consumer as well as the uh, insurance companies as well. Those kind of things with prescription drugs can drive down health care costs. And then uh, a real solution to it is is uh, everyone having a job with benefits, right? That's the solution. But... I know that's not a reality. And then in, in Medicaid, you know, there's a lot of counties in this state that about half their population are on Medicaid. I think in the three counties I represent, it's around, you know, anywhere from 24 to 26%. So that's also, it costs a lot of money to keep all those things running. And then, the, you know, the reinsurance program, that, that's helped with some, uh, with some premiums. And I talked to a lot of people in my house district here that just flat tell me said we can't afford to be covered you know that that tugs at your heartstrings you want you want you want people to have health care and health care coverage you know so they they need something and some people just they have just a catastrophic you know and that's for a lot of us it's that's what we're trying to prevent is the catastrophic stuff you know I've talked to a lot of people across the district that don't have it and so I'm always always curious and looking and working for ways to improve so it's more affordable to more people. But when you say a solution, I'm not sure there's not an end-all solution to it. It's just we got to take a bite of the apple at a time and keep working and keep moving forward and keeping our health care costs down. That's huge. That's why the health insurance is so high because the health care cost is so high. So we've looked at it inside and out from all aspects of the healthcare industry and I'd say we're making headway, but is there a magic silver bullet? No, there's not. But we just keep pecking away at it. And I think we can make it. We can make healthcare affordable. And you know, if you even if you go to you know healthcare for everyone, I mean, who who pays for that? I've I've looked at that pretty strongly, and it just you know, how do you pay for it? Okay. Well, I guess just to wrap it up, having spent time you know representing the district and on committees and you know, working on bills and stuff. 
what do you see as some of the district's greatest strengths? Well, the district's greatest strengths are the people. And I'll just say this, Lucas. I mean, I love representing House District 57. I love the people of Garfield, Rib, Blanco, and Marvin Counties. You know, my entire career has been public service, and this is just an extension of it. I love what I do and love representing all aspects of the people in our communities over here. But the, the main thing we have is we have good, solid-earth-type people that live in these districts that love our state, love where we live, and love the resources around us and enjoying those. And, you know, I want to maintain our heritage and our way of life. And it's hard to do because it's, I, I will tell you that it's an urban-dominated legislature down there. So many people down there, even in the legislature, don't really know we exist or where we're at over here. So, you know, I, I think I bring a good, strong perspective there, having, having been here and lived here and worked here. And, you know, I, I, know the, I know the public land stuff. I know the fish and wildlife things. I mean, I know the agricultural side and the water side and the industry side over here. So it's a great place to live. I I tell them that all the time, and a lot of them realize it, but uh, haven't lived in communities like we're we're blessed to live in. And I, I trust me, I I thank God and blessed every day that I get to live where I where I live in these communities over here. Representative Perry Will, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Yes, thank. Look, I look forward. Please send me back. I look forward to doing the work there and representing everyone.